Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. I was on my way out of Croke Park yesterday when a fellow Dubs fan turned to me and said, it was by no means a classic, was it? Now, obviously being afraid of any sort of confrontation, I just smiled meekly and agreed that no, it was not a classic, when I was actually thinking... Bloody hell, 117 to 116. Is that the final score in the end? I'm still yep. trying to wrap my... Yeah, wrap my, Two amazing goals, one for each team. Two red cards, one for each team. Two brilliant saves, point-blank saves, one for each team. Unbearable tension at the end. I, ne- I nearly felt like I had to leave my seat and yeah. just go outside. Uh, culminating in a nerveless injury time free to win a third All-Ireland in a row. So what I was thinking but didn't say to your man was, bloody hell, some people are hard to impress. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Monday's Second Captain's Podcast. Dublin have won the All-Ireland again. Not a result that most of the country wanted, but it was a great game, wasn't it? Am I just yeah. being emotional about it? No, it was. It second, was. Second, second half in particular. A lot happened in the second half. I, I would have been exiting the stadium at around the same time that you were exiting the stadium. Uh, and if you'd asked me then, I probably wouldn't have been able to give you any kind of an answer. Uh... Because it it was a lot to take in, but I think over the course of the evening, I realised that yes, we were dealing with an exceptional Ireland final, and really the only the only reason I couldn't have given you a reasoned explanation as to what sort of a game in the hell it mm. actually was was because of that tension, which completely fried my brain for mm. certainly the last twenty minutes. I mean, I think everything after the uh, Kevin McStay wrote in the Irish Times today, uh, everything after the Keegan goal was a championship play, and that's mm. that's basically it. That from the minute that goal went in, the stakes were at just outrageous. Uh, high levels. I know there was some sloppiness as there always yeah. is in all Ireland finals. There was a really weird passage of play in the first half where Brian Fenton was soloing the ball. He had a man free down the sideline. Literally just had to pop a little pass over and could have been rock, would have been in acres of space. He ends up soloing the ball about 20 yards ahead of himself straight into the arms of I think it might have been Colin Boyle who then played a pass to Keenan O'Connor that was not not a perfect pass, but easy enough to gather. It slipped through O'Connor's hands and went out for a sideline. Maybe it was plays like that that were sticking in the head of yeah. um, this hard to impress Dublin fan because uh, but, th- th- there was some there was some 
play that you know isn't up to the standard that you would expect from both teams. But there was a lot of great stuff yeah. as well, and there were big players stepped up. I know Kieran O'Connor missed the free, but he stepped up with some big plays in the second half. A point from play towards the end it was amazing, sensational, absolutely. A lot of Dublin players, Jack McCarthy. There's so many of them just yeah. towards the end. I thought really stepped it up, scored points when necessary, made huge plays. Philly McMahon's is nearly forgotten probably after the Cluxton save. The speed McMahon got back, got back. I didn't even notice it at the time. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't yeah. a great vantage point for that, but then watching watching it back, it was an unbelievable goal saving block after the save. There were just so many of those moments so I, I don't think you can be too too churlish about it <laughs> I remember walking out uh, a friend of mine told me about uh, leaving the 98 All-Ireland final you know mm. and Galway haven't won All-Ireland for 32 years and everyone is just in this like delirium of joy you know <laughs> and uh, they walk out and this guy's uh, with his dad he goes wow dad and his dad turns and goes wasn't it the easiest All Ireland that was ever won? <laughs> it was like so easy that goal I haven't done it for thirty two yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. So I think you're just you know, there are there are some people out there on who are just hard to please. Well forget about them, or if this is for everyone else out there, I've got a controversial call for Man of the Match. You know how I like to throw a bomb in now and again, Murph, a bit of a shock jock. Go on then, Owen. Go on. Shock me. Shock McCaffrey. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. He didn't play many minutes, got injured. Look, look, look good while he was out there. Look but as when, fast as ever. when is when was the man of the match award actually given out? At the end of the Sunday game, so it should exactly. be for. And by that stage, yeah. I think he deserves uh, some sort of special award at least for livening up the deathly dull annual post-match banquet interview with Jim Gavin and Stephen Cluxon. Oh come on, muster a smile, lads! You know, everyone's enjoyed oh, it. So yeah. he, uh, in the background of this, maybe you can describe what young uh, McCaffrey was up to. Let's just say. Jack McCaffrey might be disappeared from the Dublin panel for a period of time. I, I don't see his career recovering from this, to be honest. <laughs> so basically, the it's uh, your typical uh, two-camera routine. Mm-hmm. So there's one camera that has Michael Lester on the left of frame, uh, Jim Gavin and Stephen Cluxton on the right-hand side. So every time Michael Lester asks a question, another camera comes in. So it's just a one-shot mm-hmm. of either Cluxton or Jim Gavin, who whichever one of them is boring us to tears in that particular 20-second <laughs> yeah, yeah. spell. And in the frame behind them is Jack, Jack McCaffrey. He's sitting at one of the banquet tables, and he's just plumb right in the middle of it. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, and we can all speculate on the reason, but for whatever reason, Jack McCaffrey is extremely excited and delighted to see that he's on national it's television. Sarah and Delora. Yeah. So he spe- he spots himself and he's like, oh, I'm, a- I'm on camera. And <laughs> gives a little wave and the people at the table have a bit of a laugh and I think it's Eric Lance beside him. He puts his hand over his face about for like the second question and McCaffrey's having a bit of a laugh at that and he's sticking his tongue out and uh, people in the uh, auditorium are there having a laugh. And then Stephen Cluxton and Jim Gavin have this really weird once-in-a-lifetime experience where people are laughing and enjoying themselves <laughs> during an interview with Stephen Gavin, or Stephen Guxton and Jim Gavin. Just call them Stephen Gavin. Yeah, so Stephen Gavin is there. He's talking, <laughs> they're talking. Uh, the laughter continues, and the director, the RTE director, is now left with authority proposition. He keeps cutting back for the one shot of, which, of whichever half of Stephen Gavin is talking, but McCaffrey keeps doing it. Brilliantly. Yeah. He, his timing gets better. He kind of gets into his yeah. groove and he's really timing the face turn perfectly for when yeah. the camera... So I can, I can only presume about, you know, three minutes in to the Stephen Gavin interview that or that the already producer is like, Jack McCaffrey surely knows that he's never going to play for Dublin again if he keeps doing this. So we'll, we'll chat <laughs> one more time. And then 
<laughs> the the best one of all is he the 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 question starts being answered by Stephen Gavin, and they leave it for like twenty seconds. It's like ah, he's probably calmed down now. He probably knows not to keep doing that. Flashes back for like one second, and in that one second, McCaffrey goes like the two finger point to the screen. <laughs> like in that one moment, he did more for. Dublin standing uh, among neutral GA fans than I would say the last three years of victory. Oh yeah, Everyone's I'm sure like, people get fed up watching these. Uh, Stephen, we go Jim Cluxton actually. That probably makes it. Jim Cluxton yeah, sounds better. Th- these well. Jim Cluxton interviews yeah. don't exactly convey the sense of joy that there is within that team. Yes, I mean I know we all know that they're very happy. It's just for so. I mean I think the best thing for brand Dublin now and certainly brand Jim Cluxton is for them to come out and feign extreme happiness. Just say I'm ecstatic. I can die happy. You know, some sort of like outlandishly over-the-top remark. And like, that's all we want. All we want is to see some happy people. And Jack McCaffrey gave us what we wanted yesterday. So major kudos to our man of the match, Jack McCaffrey. I've got a Dublin supporting WhatsApp group. And I hadn't seen this at that at this stage. I was still uh, celebrating victory outside Mulligan's for, Murph. Yeah, and for those of you who recorded the Sunday game to watch back, and like me, immediately fast-forwarded through the Jim Cluxton interview because like, you thought, what's the point <laughs> yeah. in watching this? There was a point. Jack McCaffrey was. One of my friends described it as very poor. I'm going to quote him, but I won't reveal which one of my friends. <laughs> oh, my God. Followed by, Jack is a mess. I'd say they'll get a bollocking for that. <laughs> well, they might, yeah. I don't know if you can dispute all of that mm. message, all of that sentiment, but I'd, I'd be of a mind to if lead, lead the lads bollock- off the leash yeah. this week. If Jack gets a bollocking for that, Jack should take that bollocking and... Uh, Shrug it off. Lots of sadness around Croke Park yesterday, of course. Not the Mayo fans, but actually Murph and myself when we left the stadium yesterday. And it suddenly dawned on us that not all of you listening today support independent journalism. For five euro a month plus VAT, you can join our world service. And last week, you missed, if you're not a member, you would have missed Dear McConnelly live in studio, believe it or not, supporting Ken and the Tin Whistle for his latest Fairview. Minor. Go on, this is amazing Physical interference The rules, they have no coherence (laughs) Seeking my disappearance They threw me in this cell They did me entangle In a disciplinary wrangle (laughs) Chained me up on the banks of the Royal Canal I cannot believe that this has followed me out internationally. I thought I was out. I thought I was like Al Pacino and <laughs> just when I thought I was out, you pulled me back in. No. I come on with my good friends on the second captains and revive one of the most painful moments in my sporting fan oh, no. existence. You score a goal, they'll be there. If you're injured, they're there. If you need a bollocken, a bit of support. If you're in a fight, they're back you up. And you do the same for them. You're making me miss it now. <laughs> you know, those are the kind of things. It's not... Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I do. Like, that's what it was all about for me. Yeah. Like, uh, that sense of brotherhood. Yeah. Really, that's what that's what sport was about for me. Possibility for this to be the best all Ireland in 50 years. Seven out of 15 men becoming priests. That's not good. Noted former Westmeath hurler Paddy McCabe has the last word. They were a rather religious bunch of young lads, <laughs> one could say. <laughs> one could say. And you just said it, Paddy. I'm really surprised that you don't that you don't. Know. Honestly, are we talking about this? Yeah, we are going to talk about it because we haven't talked about it before, and I think it's been five years. And I think it's about time. Uh, if there are any turkey neck plastic surgeons listening, <laughs> uh, 
you, know you don't the, have the neck of a this. turkey. Yeah, aside from finding out about Ken's turkey neck, last week featured a brilliant, brilliant player's chair with Paul Galvin. Our All-Ireland preview, including the Fairview, Murph's Country Pages, one of the greatest ever US Murphs, and much, much more this week. You can expect the same sort of quality again and a brand new political podcast with the aforementioned turkey necked Ken Early. You can support the World Service and commercial-free independent journalism at secondcaptains.com. Ushin and Mike Quirk are on the way. We're going to tap into some of the heartbreak in Mayo a little bit later on with John Casey. In fact, we can start that tapping in process now, I think, with a little bit of a listen to the Midwest radio commentary of the closing moments of the match then, a much more composed Killian O'Connor speaking at last night's Mayo function at the City West Hotel. It's Michael D. McAndrew and Martin Carney calling the shots from Midwest. They're chasing shadows at the moment, trying to get the ball back. This is beyond cruelty. This is sadism at its worst. Well, you know, like a team that has played in the way Mayo have played today and have ultimately may end up on the losing side. Uh, th- that's something. it. Surely he's going to blow it. He's played uh, he, 79 he has, minutes he's and Dublin are on the he's attack. Blowing. He's blowing. And that's it. Uh, that is so it is all over. It is just not meant to be. Dublin 117, Mayo 116. We've suffered another All Ireland defeat. It's cruel. It's very cruel. These lads have given us a wonderful, wonderful year, a wonderful journey. I haven't seen as cruel a defeat in all my time watching football. It is beyond belief that a team that gives so much that those fellas give today are on the wrong side of that result. They have been an absolute credit to themselves, to their families, to the county. I'm watching men out there at the moment. They're beyond distraught. They did not, did not deserve to lose that game. Defeat has visited us once again. And in this very position last year, I spoke about fighting the good fight hanging in there. Well, today, we did that. All year long, we did that. And for years, we've done that. But what's more, that moving forward into the future, we're going to continue to fight the good fight. Something I've been waiting to do all evening is just to thank our supporters. I know you probably feel like you have to feel sorry for us and you have to pity us. We don't want anybody's sympathy. We don't want anybody's pity. We're lucky every day we get to take to the field. Every day we get to pull that crest onto our chest. We're privileged. So don't give us any pity or sympathy. And we, we remember today, tonight, in the coming weeks and months, we'll remember the roars that we heard rolling down from the stands in Castlebar, in Galway, in Ennis, in Limerick, and in Crow Park five times this year. So those, those roars will keep us training and keep us going in the winter of this year. All right, I, I'm sorry, Jack McCarthy, if you're listening, but I think I'm going to have to take the Man of the Match award <laughs> off you and give it to Killian O'Connor. That was amazing, unbelievable yeah. to speak so well after, after missing the free and all that kind of stuff. That's a little glimpse maybe into the sort of mindset that has them coming back year yeah. after year. And I'm going to say, uh, having listened to that, that when they win this All Ireland, the speech is going to be pretty good. You know? No, it might be. There might be even no, someone else no, composed. Killian game. O'Connor might no, might fall game. apart if they actually no, win no, the thing. He's got like, game. Oshin has arrived. Oshin, how are things? All how things? Ah, pretty good. Now Mike Quirk is with us too. Mer- Mike, how are you? Excellent, on yeah, really good. Okay, so three in a row has been achieved by Dublin. Yeah. I know 
we always end up talking more about Mayo than the team who who wins. So I do want to start with the Dubs. Is there a chance that their achievement is being somewhat underrated or overlooked? Uh, see, the thing about it is that people are, are saying that you know they're one of the greatest teams ever. They, they are they are achieving very highly um, when you consider the the crop of players they have. I think um, I enjoy watching them. Hmm. I think that's the biggest compliment I can give them is that uh, the people who are there, a lot of people who are there watching the match yesterday, the people who are watching on telly at home, enjoy watching the dubs and and appreciate what they've brought to the game and the way they play it. And we've said it here a couple of times all year that they're able to mix it up, they're able to play it sort of whatever way you want to play it. And the biggest thing about them is to just get the fucking job done. Yeah, you know, like when it's when it's like. No, that's it. That's that's the piece over. <laughs> you've you've literally hit the nail on the head. All the best, now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Mike. Thanks for chatting. Yeah, they really do. They they they. I mean, they they the match was there to be grabbed by one of the two teams yesterday, and Dublin grabbed it. I guess whatever ha- happened in the preceding 65, 66 minutes. Yeah, and I don't know how you felt watching the match, but I didn't really feel that it was in doubt. Really. Uh, no, not, I felt not. it was in. I felt it was in a bit of doubt, and they were two down with about eight minutes to go. <clears throat> yeah, I, I actually, I actually didn't feel as if you know, I didn't, feel, I couldn't see uh, Dublin panic or anything like that. Um, I think Mayo thought they had a lot of work done mm. coming into the last probably twenty minutes of the game. I looked up on the clock, fifty-two minutes gone. Uh, look at, I know we're talking about Dublin, but. A couple of Mayo's big players just went missing last 20 minutes. Who went missing? We had no shea went missing. He went missing from the 41st minute whenever he was uh, stripped of the ball. Uh, he run, took the ball into a tackle and after that he went completely missing. And Did you not think he was pretty massive for large parts of the game though? He was massive for 41 minutes. Hmm. And as soon as he as he, as he uh, lost that ball, he tried to kick one with the outside of his boot and he literally did not touch the ball after that. And Yeah. And I, I just think that, you know, his influence on the first 41 minutes was massive. And, uh, you know, Mayo were aggressive. They had just had everything. And yet all of that changed in the last seven, eight, or Joe McQuillan's time, 12 minutes of the game. <laughs> Mike, there was a moment, I can't remember how long is left, I'd have to watch the, the game back, but I did. it struck me as really odd. There were, it was certainly in the closing stages, maybe a bit, 10 minutes including injury time to go where Killian O'Connor was in his own full back line with the ball played a 1-2 with Keith Higgins who was actually injured and was falling on the ground as he returned the pass yeah. but but then he turns around to his left and plays a hand pass to Aidan O'Shea and I'm thinking what are all these lads doing in the full back line you know the, that's that's not the place whether that's a, a tactical issue or I, I know they're trying to as as I said earlier maybe they were trying to come back to grab the game by the scruff of the neck but that's not really how you do it I don't think yeah, well, I mean, Johnny Cooper and these guys were doing it all day, though. When 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 they weren't involved in the play and they didn't have their hands on ball, they were basically running a hundred yards down to take to take Killian O'Connor and MJ and all these guys as far away from from their goals as they could, you know. And like that's a tactical thing, thing that I'm sure Jim Gavin spoke about to, to make sure they're they're 120 yards away from the goal as opposed to 20 yards. And you know, for Dublin, I mean, like it's it's a, I think if they beat Kerry yesterday, this would be much more about you know the whole the whole narrative would be about giving Dublin 
Dublin credit because you know Kerry have enough one and, and whatever. But it's the fact that it's you you feel so sympathetic for Mayo, you know, and how many times they've they've got this close and and again have fallen short. Like there was a woman behind me, like no joke, she was about thirty or forty years of age, in convulsions, crying like when the referee gave the free, never mind when he kicked it over the bar, and. And you're just thinking to yourself, like, this is just, this is heartbreaking stuff for them. And, and, and I think that's taken a little bit in from, from what Dublin have actually achieved because people feel so sorry for, you know, for poor Mayo again. But, I mean, to, to put the Dublin's you know, achievements in perspective is, is, is just incredible. You know, and, and I thought last night, I, I actually caught a little bit of this in the game and guys talking about, you know, splitting Dublin into three or four parishes. And, and I, I thought it was just completely ill-timed and ill-thought out to kind of even try and diminish their achievement on the night, you know, just after they wanted to go talking like that straight away. Fine, have a discussion about it if you want next week or the week after, but, you know, there's, there's a time and a place and, and what they have achieved is, you know, in the modern era is unparalleled and, and they deserve every plot that's on their way. Yeah, and just on that splitting Dublin into different areas, one of my friends went to the trouble yesterday of putting a south side team and a north side team down in paper and I'm from the south side of Dublin Ushin, and apparently we look considerably weaker so I certainly won't subscribe to that He's got a lot of time on his hands He really does <laughs> Exactly yeah it's part of the All-Ireland final day ritual but the point about about Dublin getting it done when they, they needed to I kind of you know this sort of greatest team of all time argument I, I felt that Dublin possibly needed to produce a masterclass in a final, which they, they kind of they never haven't. have done. No. They yeah, still haven't done, but in a way, it's equally as impressive yeah, to do it the way they've absolutely. been doing it. This is the fourth out of five, I think four out of five now they've won by a single point. By one point, yeah. That's, and this is a team who was considered really weak mentally before that. That's probably the biggest achievement of the Jim Gavin and Pat Gilroy era, is that they've turned this team into the, the mentally strongest one out there. Yeah, and like... <laughs> I remember not that long ago, uh, I think it was on here, saying uh, about we enjoyed playing against Dublin because actually in those scenarios where it comes down to the last 10 minutes, you felt as if you were able to you know, see them off. Um, so much so that um, uh, a Johnny McGee, I think, had a bit of a, a crack at me saying that they were sort of weak. But they were. They were, they were weak and and uh, and we knew that and I think deep down they sort of knew that and sometimes all it takes is just winning one of those fuck one of those real dirty ugly games by a point. Dublin are masters. I, I I've said it here a couple times as well about um they'll play it whatever way you want. Um they're not they don't feel as if they have to entertain us. Mm. Um they just want to get the job done and. It, I know you said, like, you know, whenever I said about it wasn't in question, I know what you I know what you mean about it being in question in that, you know... On the scoreboard. Yeah. But just the feeling and, and just looking out onto the field and the lack of panic and the fact that they were able to just, you know, work scores at crucial but, times. But is, is that just the composure that comes from... Having won one of these, Probably. you know, and like, and like, it, it, so this is it. Like, if you trace all this back, if Stephen Cluxton misses that free in 2011 and Kerry go and win the replay by a point in heartbreaking circumstances, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about splitting Dublin into four counties or whatever nonsense was being discussed last night. I mean, the, like, the, this is a this that happens because we've been in this position before and it's turned out right for us on those occasions, and therefore, Mike. 
you know, it's more than likely that it'll happen again. It'll break our way. There's a self-belief there that just comes from having won these games. And it's not something that necessarily you can work out on the training field. It's just, right, everyone calm down. We've been here in here in this situation before and we've gotten the job done. Yeah, and that, that's a huge part of it. That's a huge part. No, obviously, like the thing, you know, once you once you win one, that it's just it's hard to kind of you know describe that that you know the confidence that that gives you and the composure that gives you in the closing stages, knowing that you've won that way before. And Mayo, for for as well as they played and as hard as they went, they just don't have that you know that same feeling of of poise when the game is just hanging by the balance. I mean, it was sixty. I think it was, it was sixty-two or sixty-three minutes when Andy Moran got taken off. Uh, and the whole crowd, the whole Mayo crowd, just stood up and started cheering. And and it was you're you're saying there's six or seven minutes of normal time left here, and it almost felt like, you know, yeah, we're we're nearly there now. We just need to push this over the line. And and I, I'm kind of like with Oshin, I was saying, I was saying, no, lads, there's there's an awful lot of time left in this game. And 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 as this gets close on the wire with Connolly and with all them guys that that came on McMenamin, etc., like you know, it, it, there was a certain inevitability, even at two points down with eight minutes to go, that Dublin were still going to be the guys because they have acquired that kind of that tactical or that 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 composure that you're speaking about in those last few minutes. There was an inevitability about the fact that they were just going to do enough again to 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 get themselves over the line. You know, was the sending off the turning point, Mike? Donny Vaughan's uh, sending off. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was just a moment of madness that he's going to regret for an awful long time. And and it's easy to say, yeah, you know, they would have won the game 15 and 14. I don't think that's a fact. You know, I don't think that would necessarily be the way. I think they're, again, I think Dublin have enough experience that they may have been able to find a way around it. Obviously, we'll never know. I mean, but what it did do was it denied Mayo the best opportunity ever of, of heading into the last 25, 30 minutes of a game, 15, 14 up, you know, with, with an advantage on the scoreboard. I mean, they lost the free, which was going to be a certain score for Killian O'Connor. They had a throw ball, which they lost possession from, which they went down and scored Dublin, and they lost the man. So it was a triple whammy in, in one one single moment of madness. And, you know, you, you would have had to fancy him if, they, if, he, if he didn't do it, but, you know, you just, you're never going to know. Ocean, you're shaking your no, head. No, I was just going to say that was the biggest thing I felt about the sending off was that was the fact that the ball was thrown up because you know it was a crucial score that O'Connor probably would have kicked at that stage. Um, but like, if you consider Mayo, that they probably sort of thought, you know, we've actually done well first half. We've sort of figured them out. They probably should have been in five or six points up at half time. They come out in the second half, and you've got a whole different. Uh, dynamic to the to the to the Dublin forward line, mm. just by making two switches. McManaman, who's so direct, and Connolly, who's like, he's just Connolly. He's just like, like honestly, on like, we would I would sit back, and it's probably unfair, but I would sit back, and I I, I love watching other sports. I, I love American football, and I, I love uh, watching soccer and all those, and I would celebrate all those guys who are brilliant at what they do. We're just lucky to have somebody like Conley that we can sit back and admire because when he came on yesterday, he just exuded everything. And I said here again that that 12-week ban changed Dame Conley's, uh, the landscape of Dame Conley's career forever. And I, and I still believe that because when he came on yesterday, the most impressive thing about him was that when you come on and you've been away for that long, the first thing you want to do is, I want to make a real impression on the game. I want to... F- 
I want a do, uh, solo dummy. I want a I want a big three man. I want to kick it off the outside of my boot over the bar. The first five or six balls he got, he just played them sideways. He just hold on, held on to the ball. He just did the right thing. Walked himself into the game, and then I, I thought his imprint on the game towards the end was was exa- exactly why you know we'd always talk about Dublin's bench, but. If you can imagine, like we we used to talk about Dublin's bench with Dame O'Connolly starting a game and having influence on the game, not coming off the bench. I mean, like to bring somebody that came off the bench is is absolutely <laughs> I, I, ridiculous. And look, man, it was it was yeah. almost a cliche in the build yeah, the final yeah, about, about Dublin's bench, but it was going always going to make some sort of a difference if Dublin were in touch. And McMenamin, he just changes the you said changes the dynamic when you've got somebody like that he plays it differently to pretty much all yeah. the other Dublin forwards and it's, and I don't think any defender really w- likes playing against a little barrel like that who just runs straight yeah. straight at you and through you and he's a great ability to win the ball a bit like Andy Moran actually in that whatever way you put it into him he seems to be able to get it and hold on to it I think that's his uh, that's his biggest value for that uh, Dublin team and the other thing is that when he looks as if he's going to offload it he doesn't Mm. And he keeps going, um, but like as I say, Dublin obviously decided with Ono Gardo going to play a certain way, but yet they're able to turn around. Like, like even go back to the Tyrone game when Tyrone went in at half time, and you think, well, the game is virtually over, but you think, well, Dublin or Tyrone are going to completely turn things around. They're obviously going to go man to man, or or they're going to change things around. Dublin were able to change things around at half time, and and largely through just throwing on different personnel and just the way they went about it. They 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 then concentrated on uh, key runners from the middle of the field. Um McCarthy's second half performance was was brilliant as yeah. well. You know, the influence that he had in the game. But if you watched him a lot of the first half, every time he got the ball he seemed to be standing still. Uh he seemed to get the ball standing still a lot. He seemed to be shifting it sideways whereas he was so much more dynamic in the second half. Donny Vaughan runs a shoe shop, is it? In yeah. Ballinrobe, yeah. so you can call in and physically register your disappointment in his sending off. If you want to, and it's he's going to have a lot of annoying conversations for the next the next few months. And that's it. Like you, you know, you actually have to think about that. You know, he's he's not going to be in the shop today, and he's not going to be in there tomorrow. And he's probably not going to be in there on Wednesday. But at some stage, he's going to be in there and <laughs> and listen to. That. I mean, like that is what is just so heartbreaking about all this. You know that he did he did something stupid. And it, you know, it, as Mike says, it may not have cost, it, it, that's not how the game, the game may not have panned out as, you know, we would say, Mayo with a man up, you go and win the Iron Final by three or four points. Like, that's, you know, no one knows that that's what would have happened. But he has to live with it, and he has to face up to it, and the public are on his doorstep, and that's that's it. You know, and he can go on holidays for three weeks, but, you know, it's... Still going <laughs> to be there. Be, yeah. You know, life isn't going to move on for Mayo in the next three weeks. You know, this is the winter's discussion now. And the other thing is that people are going to say, ah, that's Mayo, that's them, they're, they're gone, they're finished, but oh, they're going to be there next year again. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, they're going to be there next year again because, you know, realistically... Super 8s or whatever, we're going to have the same four teams probably in the All-Ireland semi-final next year. Uh, Mayo are going to have to go through something similar until they are able to close the deal. Mike, there was a point that Joe Brody made a few weeks ago that I think I managed to sneak into a podcast while Murph was on holidays or something like that. Uh, and it was along the lines of Mayo being great at digging out, having a certain type of mental strength in, in whereby they can dig out draws and they can win matches that look like they, they might be there for the losing. But when it comes to really believing, really having the mental strength that they have to go and win an All-Ireland Final, they don't have it. And until they prove, that, until they do it, then 
I don't see how you can argue with that. It, it, it felt to me, I know it's a pretty basic argument, but the team with less mental resolve ultimately lost the game yesterday. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I mean, it's it's easy it's easy to say that until until they've got it, you know. And I mean, Joe has loads of theories. I mean, Joe said that Kerry weren't going to win another minor All Ireland, and we haven't lost one. Uh, we haven't lost a minor <laughs> since he said it. So there's loads of theories out there, and 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 like it, it's it's to be honest, I find it very difficult to explain exactly or pinpoint the reason why Mayo didn't win that game or or last year's game. I mean, in a one point game. There's hundreds of different little things. It's not just. I, I know that the, the last five minutes or injury time is a, you know, it's like a microcosm, and 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 all those things become super super highlighted, and and you know, and and they seem to be the reason then. But really, I mean, like Lee Keegan had a handy chance in the first half to kick it over the bar to put it over for for, a, for an easy point. Killian O'Connor missed an easy point in front of the post. Like there's there's hundreds of different little bits and pieces, including refereeing decisions and turnovers and everything that contribute to to not getting the job done and and I think when you when you kind of strip it all away and just boil it all down I think it's I think Dublin are just better Dublin are just better and 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 Mayo are close to maxing out to pushing them as close as they are and and, and getting to a one point you know defeat again while it's heartbreaking I just think the reality of the situation is when you can bring Dermot Connolly Paul Flynn when an injury to Jack McCaffrey after four minutes or eight minutes Basically, is is seamless, and you just carry on. Uh, like, I mean, if if they lost to Lee Keegan, who who I, I think Jack McCaffrey could have had a huge game yesterday with his pace and his running. If you know, and I will say Lee Keegan is their comparable guy. If they lost to Lee Keegan after eight minutes, the show was off the road, like it was finished. But Dublin lose to Jack McCaffrey, and they just carry on without a beat, without missing a beat, and. I just think at the moment that's that's the harsh reality. But Dublin are just better, and they're better than everybody. Murphy looked like you were disagreeing with the mental resolve point. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like I I think it's easy to say mental resolve, you know, and I I, but I I I don't think that that's it, you know. I mean, I like the, Joe's point basically is until Mayo win this, he'll always find another reason to shit on Mayo, basically, you know. So, like, like if if they had if if you know in the Kerry game, you know, like mental resolve. I mean, I don't think there's a spe- there's one type of mental resolve for. Uh, all other games, and then there's another type of mental resolve for an All Ireland final. Like I, like I think you either have guts as a team or you don't. And I, you know, you can go down the splitting hairs of okay, there's this type of mental resolve or another type of mental resolve. I mean, there were two points down against a terrible Cork team in Limerick when everyone had written them off, uh, having been beaten by a you know not very good Galway team in Salt Hill in, in July, in June, and like. That's mental resolve, you know. Like at the end of the day, these guys have guts to burn. Have, yeah. You know, like they they might be the gutsiest, most mentally yeah. strong team we've ever seen in a lot of ways. Because it takes like okay, you boil down the last ten minutes. That's where you show mental resolve in the Iron Final. How about January first? That takes mental resolve. Yeah. Mental resolve, January first, twenty seventeen. Mental resolve, January first, twenty eighteen. And you can be sure they'll all be there. Andy Moran's not retiring. You know, Keith Higgins isn't retiring. David Clark isn't retiring. Like, you know, I, I, I don't sign up. Like, Dublin are an exceptional team. Like, a really exce- Like, I think that they do suffer. This is the Stuart Sink syndrome, effectively. You know, Tom Watson wins the US Open as a 59-year-old. What an amazing story. Only he didn't. Some guy <laughs> called Stuart Sink wins. You know what I mean? Like, Dublin are a lot better at football than Stuart Sink is at golf. But, you know, like, at the end of the day, they're the bad guy through no fault of their own as a result of Mayo's 
you know, romantic, yeah. never-ending quest for but, another. But final. just on that, if if you are as gutsy as you're making Mayo out to be, or as mentally tough as you make Mayo out to be, you should be able to see a match home, whether it's a semi-final or a final or a quarter-final or a league game, when you're two points up with eight minutes to go. I would have thought. Yeah, well, I would think so if, too, if, but not if, if not if you're playing against Dublin. Yeah, if you if you're the better team, but then it comes down to results. I, I do think I do think yesterday, and that. I'd be inclined not to give Stephen Rochford that much stick mm. after yesterday because it felt as if you know he just let he let it all out. But some, I think, I th- still think that some of the changes towards the end of the game were changes for changes' sake. Uh, the Andy Moran one was was a strange one for me. Uh, yeah, I thought. okay, about the Andy Moran one. About ten minutes into the second half, he signalled to the bench. Directly in front of me, just at the tunnel. Yeah, I saw that bit of a hamstring. Yeah, thing. yeah just he was pointing at his hamstring. Out. Like it, it's not that that he had torn it or anything, but just that it was. I, it seemed to be an ongoing problem. To be fair, and like I thought, Colin Boyle being taken off was terrible, and then he could barely walk up the steps to the <laughs> dugout. Yeah. Like barely, like they had to drag him up nearly. So yeah. like, you know, it's like well, that's again, fair enough. Yeah. But I just thought at the time that Andy Moore was after having. Uh, his only brain fart that he had within the game that he you know he turned around he should have shot first time he didn't he sort of he overdone it a little yeah. bit and then he kicked the wide and I thought that was a reaction to that but I didn't yeah. know that he had a yeah it's, and it's weird you know this question still remains maybe you know he hadn't torn the hamstring and he was playing so well that you know and his movement is so good it's so economical that do you actually just say Andy you know, this is it. Like, you yeah. know, shoot the dog or buy the license yeah. here. You know what I mean? It's, you know, you, you just have to stay in for 10 minutes, uh, regardless of how good or bad your hamstring is. You know, again, these are the these are the calls, you know. Um, Mike, the, the one question I would ask, right, is are we just, you know, are we still very afraid of this Dublin's dominance of the GA continuing on into, you know, infinity? I mean... I felt that if they'd if they'd beaten Mayo yesterday by eight or ten points, then yes, you know, there's a serious question that needs to be asked. You know, uh, that it, just from the point of view of it's a it's a, a dominant a dominant team, you know, looking like it's going to stretch on into infinity. But as it is, they've played two national finals this year. They lost one due to a, le- a last minute free that hit the post, and they lost the other one by a last minute free that went over. And like, you know, that doesn't sound like harmful levels of domination to me and like you I don't think that it's very I don't think it's right that we're sitting here talking about instead I actually think that it feeds into our reaction towards this Dublin team instead of everyone saying geez what a brilliant team we're saying you know we're 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 worrying about things we're like we're nearly resentful of their domination in a way that I don't think we'd even be if it was Kerry and like Kerry are the ones who've won four out of minor finals in a row like they, you know like they're the ones that are building you know easy with that talk no easy with that talk you're trying to <laughs> leave Kerry out of this now Kerry there's nothing wrong Murphy but you know what I mean uh, it's like no I know I know exactly I know the point you're making man I, I like I, I agree with you the, the only the only thing I have and I think this splitting Dublin into three is is just l- ludicrous you know stuff if, if the argument is we have to split them into three to make it an even competition then I think it's absolute madness now if 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 there's an angle there to say okay lads there's one point what is it 1.3 or 1.4 million people living in in Dublin County and you have 15 guys that can play and represent their county then obviously you're 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 not denying but there's a lot of people in playing football 
uh, in Dublin who will never ever get a chance to wear a Dublin jersey. That's that's one angle that you could that, that probably Colm O'Rourke is coming from where there's a little bit of something in that. But like if it's coming from just the point of we have to level the playing field here, lads. So instead of getting better ourselves, let's cut the legs from under these guys and split them up and 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 weaken them that way. Like the funding is an issue. Uh, that you know, obviously they get a disproportionate amount of funding because of the disproportionate population obviously living up there. I think that needs to be addressed, and and I think that is is probably starting to be addressed. But apart from that, Murphy, I think the onus has to be on every county, Kerry included, Mayo, of just getting better. We have like every county can do more to be better, and money is not the money is not the savior to these counties. Like there's some guys running county boards as that if you gave them a couple of million, God knows what it end up doing. There'd be statues outside grounds with chairman's pictures on them, you know. So like it's not just money. It's about it's about a huge structural stuff within each and every other county as well. And you know I I just think that it's it's too easy. Like it's just too easy to say there's too many people living in Dublin. They have too much money. There's too much sponsorship. You know sure they should be winning the next twenty All Ireland. They lost by Kerry by a point in the National League final in a cracking game and they could very easily have lost to Mayo by a point yesterday I, I think it's a little bit overblown but that's just me Oshin? Yeah no I agree with that I think you know Dublin are just at this moment in time are on top there's a huge amount of resources funding all those sort of things going into other counties in Ireland uh, a few in particular that I'm not willing to mention right now but uh, Intriguing <laughs> the, the, There is a few teams who, who are who have sort of took a step back and realised that they have to invest in, in what's going on at youth level and uh, when I say youth level I mean like 16s, 18s and you know five years down the lane, ten years down the lane we're not going to be talking about Dub- Dublin dominance we're going to be talking about Dublin still being one of the major teams but there's other teams who can come up there and challenge my worry just is for the immediate future you know for the next couple of years that genuinely I can't see anybody I can't see anybody beating Dublin. Really? Yeah, and over and the next it, couple of years. And is that a bad and, thing? And oh, to go back, no, it's not a bad thing because they play brilliant football. You know, I spoke last week about about uh, my wee boys, like, and you know, they were proud walking in with their Dublin jerseys on la- last Friday, and everybody else in the town had a, you know, had the old uh, had the old Mayo jerseys on. Obviously, you know, Tony Mack has had a huge influence on what's going on there, and the fact that you know he's been involved, but. Uh, you take a child to watch Dublin and they know that this is a proper Gaelic football team who play football in the right way and uh, it's very difficult to see them in the immediate future being beaten and the only team that probably, you know, the more I look at football the more I realise that over the next probably two to three years before some of those Mayo gays do retire, the only team who can physically... uh, put it up to them is, is Mayo and maybe Kerry if David Clifford is given his head next year Oshin or uh, Mike I should say I walked in to took my seat during the minor game yesterday it took me about half a second to find David Clifford <laughs> on the pitch I was, oh, that's that man who's running around <laughs> fending off all those little lads he was unbelievable yeah yeah incredible Incredible. I mean, we just need like we need Donald Trump to come over and build a wall to Australia or something and just keep them fellas away from him because, I mean, he's just he's like he's like a he's like a dad playing with his kids. Like you know, it's one of those ones where he's just getting it and he's he's doing whatever he wants and uh, and while he's getting you know you know huge credit and huge praise. 
um, like the, there, there is actually a lot of other guys on that team. Good, particularly what Kerry needs some, some defenders coming up with real pace and real defensive kind of tendencies um, that have also kind of come in the, that team and the last couple of teams. And you know, it's just going to be really interesting in, in Kerry. First of all, to see if, if Clifford stays around and he doesn't go to Australia, and then secondly, you know, if you know how can Fitzmaurice actually develop these guys into into senior footballers in the next kind of five years because a lot of them need to be kind of fast-tracked really and, and, and get, them, get them involved and get them as much experience as they can. And obviously this under-20s next year is going to complicate matters now because obviously if, if David Clifford, you know, thinking if he is in Ireland, if David Clifford is on the panel for, for one of these games or Sean O'Shea um, for a senior game in the panel, then that, that automatically rules him out of the under-20 competition and cannot represent his county at under-20. So I'd say there'll be a lot of fun conversations between Jack O'Connor and, and Eamon Fitzmaurice next year with regards to who exactly is on the is on the senior panel, you know. Yeah, well, that would be a conversation that Kerry Buell would be very happy to have. Yeah. I mean, what's they the, should what's have the re- that on Radio Kerry. That has to be yeah. a public, <laughs> but, public yeah. debate. Yeah, but like, what's the read? Like, what's the what's the situation? Like, uh, you know, it, this you know we've we've all seen brilliant minors. You know, like we've we've all seen brilliant minors, but we haven't seen anyone score yeah. four goals and four points in our final. Like, is there something yeah. that the uh, are you? Leisure. Yeah, like are the Kerry County Board dreaming up? Like, uh, you know, national, he's the county coordinator for footballing excellence. Basically, give this man a job and get him play for a game. Or just, or just pay him a salary for playing game football. You know, forget, we, we can make yeah. exceptions the odd time for yeah. truly gifted footballers. Amateur ethos, except for this guy. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's, he's in, uh, I think he's in college over here in Tralee. He's going into his second year in health and leisure. Um, like all the talk is obviously that these guys are are tapping them up directly. I think there's a there's a combine um, uh, next week actually over there, and um, there's a couple of guys, you know, another guy Stefan who who's from Chile, Stefan Okumba, who was a minor a couple of years ago. There's a couple of other Kerry guys going over there, and they'll be shopped around to a couple of clubs, and and kind of highest bidder gets one of them. Um, but I, I I just I don't know. I mean, the talk depends on who you talk to. You talk to some one guy out there, he tells you that. His parents are dead against it. Don't want him going anywhere. He's a home bird. He's going to stay at home. And the next guy you meet said, "Oh, it's signed. It's done. He's flying out on Tuesday." You know. So <laughs> um, we're actually playing. He, he he plays with East Kerry in the in the senior county championship, and uh, the crowd I'm over Cairns Rally is my own club. We are actually playing them in the quarter final of the of the county championship next weekend. So I'm only hoping to God he gets on a plane on Wednesday, but comes back a couple, a couple <laughs> Good of luck weeks with later. That. You know. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. luck with that from everyone uh, here, Mike O'Shea. Yeah. Just the last word on that one because. You, you don't begrudge lads going over to Australia trying to make it as professional sports people. I think it's quite a healthy thing. And oftentimes they come back a couple of years later anyway. But, God, it would be a bit of a pity not to see what this guy is going to do at senior level. Yeah, because he was, he was definitely the... Uh, he was, uh, you know, at the foot of a lot of conversations yesterday. And actually, I sat beside a guy who said, I don't actually think he's suited to Aussie rules. And I'm thinking... Well, he, he can catch it. He's really good at kicking it. <laughs> Strong as an ox. <laughs> yeah. So you know, a, 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 one of the most outrageous uh, dummies I've ever oh, yeah, seen. Oh, yeah. Um, he's. I'd. I'd love to see the lad stick around. To be honest, um, I have a nephew in a similar situation who, um, who is possibly heading for Australia in January, and we're doing everything. We. We've we've got a highest fan and we're trying to keep him locked in the boot of that um, <laughs> and stuff like that just to stick around for the championship. But uh, when they get the opportunity, I think it's right that they are given uh, the option to either go or stay. And I think in in Clifford's case, I think whatever sport he tries his hand at, he's going to be 
he's going to be amazing. He's got a he's got a brilliant attitude. Mike's was saying that he, you know he's having a plan. I uh, we my freshers team in Dundalk Institute played against Tralee um, last year. Um, it was the most horrendous day. It was like a monsoon. Um, they were playing against the wind in the first half. Clifford was playing. I decided to go man on man, uh, <laughs> mano o oh mano. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, the way true football should be played. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the first couple of balls he got, it, it it defied logic. He kicked the point off his left foot into an uh, absolute gale force wind and it just looked as if he tapped it and it just it creeped over the bar and he did that about seven, eight, probably 12 times before the game was over. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's just a special talent and he seems to do it all on the dead of his leisure you know you think come on <coughs> David imagine if there was another gear there you know what he'd be capable of and, but he's just he's magic and, and I hope hope for our sake that he, that he stays around but if he's given the opportunity then he should be entitled to, to make that decision for himself Absolutely well listen Oshin Mike brilliant stuff again today thanks for everything during the summer Thanks all. No worries guys so He's almost like having a second captain in the team Second cap, first cap, and whatever. Richie Sadler's here. Richie, how are you? How are you, lads? How are you, lads? Richie, how are you, lads? How are you doing this week? I'm marvellous. Look at the joy on my face. Look how happy I was. What the fuck happened? <laughs> no, really. You know, what happened? When John was young, everyone in the city knew about it, but no one had seen him. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's persuaded of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. I do feel we've been showing Dublin due respect on today's podcast okay. for their ability, as Oshin said in such colourful, colourful terms, to get the job done. They get there in the end. A little bit of skullduggery helps. I noticed as Dean Rock was lining up the last minute free, one of the Dublin substitutes, yeah. I think it was Cormac Coslow, and I'm just going to throw that name out there. Yep. This, this could rebound. My apologies if I've misidentified you, but one of the Dublin substitutes... <laughs> As the free kick was being lined up. Now, the only reason this didn't work out was he went a little bit early. Threw David Clark's tee behind the goal. Picked it up and flung it away. Yeah. Which David Clark had time to recover and pick yeah. the tee up and get the kick out going quickly. But I thought, wow, that's that's how you win All-Irelands. And also, that was then followed by the point going over the bar and the Dublin forwards as one rugby tackling their men. It's just it was just such a coincidence that they all decided, you know, now's the time to probably try and do that. Mm. All six of them grab a guy and throw him to the ground and leave him there. Should be pointed out that at the same time as the Dublin substitute was throwing the tea behind yeah. the goals, Mayo's best player, Lee Keegan, was just don't leave out that hanging around that might get thrown at the feet of a free Seemed to be throwing something. The speculation, it might, it might have been a GPS unit. Yeah, it certainly looked like the, the size rock. and shape of a GPS unit. So, the rest of the counties in Ireland, this is what you have to do to get to all Irelands. Just be prepared to skulldug your way <laughs> to success. Do literally add a thing. When necessary. Mayo fans would at least have had some of their despair lessened by the comic sightings of Michael Lester. On last night's Sunday game, live from the post-match banquet, we've touched on this already, but first came the chat with the Chuckle Brothers, Jim Gavin and Stephen Cluxton, mm. hereby to be known only as Jim, Jim Cluxton. Stephen Gavin. Or Stephen Gavin, either well, yeah, is either acceptable. I, no, I think Jim Cluxton. We kind of get a better sense of who they are. Yeah, no, I think that. you're right. Followed by Michael's back and forth with the GAA president about how the GAA championship has all the momentum of a runaway freight train. And then he handed back to Des, but not before finishing with this stone-cold classic. 
If you wonder how much the Dublin team and their supporters enjoy occasions like this, a little bit earlier tonight I was talking to one of the catering staff here at the hotel, whom I happen to know, and I said to him, what time do you expect to get away tonight? And he finished up and he says, oh, I'd be hoping to be out of here about 7am. <laughs> They're going to enjoy themselves. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you a lift home. Oh. Crickets. Crickets on. Oh. Listen, you, you know, you know your crowd, you know. Not even Jack McCaffrey laughed. <laughs> and he Say was Jack. laughing at virtually anything at that point. Say Jack was having a laugh for himself. Yeah, maybe, yeah. All right, John Casey is on. John, thanks for chatting to us. I was talking to some relatives of mine from Mayo after the game, and apparently this is being seen as the hardest one of all to take. I don't know if that's just a recency bias or a genuine belief that this one... This one was thrown away a little bit. I suppose it's hard to rank final defeats against each other, but was it right up there, do you think? Absolutely. I mean, it's the, the, the old-fashioned hard-luck story again for, for Mayo footballers. Uh, a bitter one to take. I mean, any time you lose a, a final by a point, I suppose, um, it's, it's a hard one to take. We've been down that road now so many times. I was just interested, I was reading in the programme uh, yesterday while, while the match, before the match started, that Dublin, I suppose, have played in, in six finals since... Uh, 1995 and, and came out with, with the Sam Maguire Cup on each occasion. Mayo have played nine, I think, since 89 and lost in every one of them. So it's an awful contrast, really, with the, I suppose, these current crop. They're so close in terms of everything in ability, physique, skill levels. But Dublin, some of them Dublin players yesterday, like they're a credit in fairness to them and have their fifth All Ireland medal in their arse pocket and the poor old Mayo fellas, the hard luck story, they don't have any. Would you be critical of them for not finishing it off yesterday? I'm not, I'm not just talking about the Tony Vaughan sending no. off, which obviously makes him a bit of a scapegoat, but it sort of felt to me like they didn't really do enough in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, including injury time, to really go and win the game when it was there to be won. Yeah, well, look at that. Can be exactly. Do you know what? I, I really would need to watch the video again because the things get so frantic mm. in the last 10 minutes. And I'm trying to remember what, what happened in the last 10 minutes. Was it in the first 10 or last 10? Because I'd really need to have another look at it. But you can point out to, to Donald Vaughan. I mean, in real time, I didn't think Donald Vaughan should have been sent off with him when I saw the Sunday game last night. I thought, oh, God, he clotheslined uh, John Small. So, you know, it was a correct decision. And, uh, but um, they did have a couple of chances. I mean, Things that are jumping to mind now, Killian's free hitting the post. Um, uh, they would, did a couple of chances in at the end. David Clark gave a kick out, kicked it over the sideline when, when there was a man free on the. Uh, they're the little things that are going to eat away at these players. But certainly there is going to be question marks. And, you know, Killian would kick that, that free like nine out of ten times every day and just unfortunately it hit the post. And I think Mayo had already set themselves up for uh, setting themselves for Stephen Cluxton's kick out to be ready. None of them envisaged it coming off the, off the woodwork and back out in Dublin had a mass of players there. So, but look at the ad. They should, they should have probably tried to kick on and, and, and certainly they left themselves or they found themselves wanting in the, those last couple of minutes when I suppose the game was there for somebody to grab by the scruff of the neck. And, but look at here, it's easy said from the sideline guys, you know, when you're in there in the white heat of battle with 80,000 and everyone is losing their head around you. It's a lot easier said than done. Yeah, it seems like Mayo are as good as this Dublin team in every sector. Uh, and yet, they haven't beaten them now in their last 12 league and championship games going back to 2012. It's hard to believe that at crunch moments, something hasn't broken for Mayo. And I know that, I know that you know, you talk about getting a bit of luck and it seems like it's a cop-out you know, to, to talk about that instead of talking about processes and talking about you know, having the steel to finish out a game. But at some stage, you think, 
Right, it's a one-point game. If the game had lasted 90 minutes yesterday, it was tit for tat. I mean, I was talking to someone last night, and it was, it just, when the music stopped, Dublin were a point up, and it, that's, that's kind of how it seemed. I mean, that's what makes it so difficult for Mayo people to accept, I would think. A hundred percent, and I mean, of course, everybody is going to the can of worms is going to open now, and and everybody will start start to question and different things and decisions, and as we mentioned there earlier, Donald Vaughan's, uh, I suppose what you call it, a rush of blood will will, will be questioned, um, but it is it is kind of a worrying uh, stat that you're after throwing there. Like I mean, there's been nothing between the teams, but ultimately Mayo have been on the losing side. Now you mentioned there, I think two twelve is the last time. We got the better of Dublin. We've had some titanic tussles with them, but it's that winning mentality, guys. When you when you win one, the rest seem to follow. You know, you seem to have that composure coming into the final stretch, and 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 our fellas have just found themselves on the wrong side of it. You know, on every occasion, and you know, you look at the players like that we have. I mean, they've been heroes, but at the end of the day, they still have no silverware in their arse pocket, and until they get over that line. Um, everyone had wrote them off last year, but look at somebody, somebody I'm reading on social media, only 364 more days until we're back in it again. So, I mean, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, it's, a, it's an awful long road back for the fellas. But, you know, they are, they're a resilient bunch. They weren't given a prayer this year. I mean, they went out to 16-1 to 1 by all accounts after the defeat in Salt Hill against Galway. They won't give up. But when you see the likes of Andy Moore leaving the pitch yesterday after giving everything for the cause, and he has done for the last whatever it was, 15 years or so. I mean, you know, your heart would bleed for the likes of that guy and, and, and more, many more of them. You would think, John, that they the will probably need some fresh blood next year, although that was, that was said before this season and not much change in terms of personnel. It seems kind of... Uh, I, I can't quite work out how Mayo, as a big football county, can get sort of 16, 17 players out there of a really high quality, but no more depth than that. There don't, there don't seem to be too many players knocking on the door to fight their way into that team. Or maybe I just don't have enough knowledge of the local scene. No, yeah, you're, probably, yeah, you're probably not far wrong there. And that, that had been, of course, the big talking point. Everyone was on about looking at the, the prolific Dublin bench mm. and, and what would happen when, when, when Jim Gavin decided to go empty in them. I suppose, on around the 50-minute mark or 55-minute mark. I know Mayo frustrated them so well he had to do it a lot earlier than expected, which was testament to what Mayo brought to the table yesterday. But it was worrying. And then you had Jeremy O'Connor when news filtered through yesterday that he was unable to play. Rumour has it was a management decision. Others, you hear hamstring mentioned. But when you take the likes of Paddy Durkin out of the out of the equation as an impact sub, then you're looking, going, God, where are we going to go here? But they have gone to the same players like we did. We did win an All Ireland under 21 uh, recently. A couple of players have come through for that. I mean, Jeremy O'Connor, Stephen Cohn, Fergal Boland had made a slight impact this year. But you are definitely right. When you look at the, I suppose what the mix of, of uh, uh, Dublin have on their bench, we certainly are are second rate when it comes to impact subs. But look, at it, you can only play with what you have. And I mean, the fellas, the starting 15 and a couple of subs, but you, you, you are struggling when you go down the line, most definitely. Will they be back next year, John? <laughs> I look, at, I, I know it, it, it sounds an awful, lot, an awful long way back. Um, they've given us tremendous journey, there's no question. Um, you'd wonder about the likes of Andy, whether he'd be like Andy Moore. I could, I, I could tell you a, a funny story. I met Andy Moore two years ago, actually, outside Go Park, and he'd been brought on in a sub in the, in, uh, the Ireland quarter final against Donegal, I think it was. And uh, I said to him, I said, you know, Andy, I said, you've got a, 
you've got a, your your game as an impact sub now and he turned around to me and said would you shut up he says you sound just like Holmes and I had a laugh and I'm all of a sudden two years later he's there yeah and he said a little bit more than shut up if you know what I mean <laughs> yeah I hear that for that he said to me yeah you know you sound just like Holmes Pat Holmes and Old Canelli were manager at the time but testament of what that guy gives he's you know he's a joint favourite I think very close to player of the year He's a marvellous, marvellous scene. I think 324 from play, lads, in this championship. So to answer your question, is these guys are a resilient bunch. They'll take it on the chin again. Look, at nobody died. That's the main thing. Um, it's a football match. It is the hardest luck story, I think, in world sport now at this stage. But the answer to your question, of course, they'll be back. All right, listen, John Casey, I like the defiance. Thanks so much for talking. No problem, guys. Apologies for the voice. I'm a little bit hoarse after yesterday. I, I, the same as myself, John. Thanks so much. <laughs> He's stealing yards, he's stealing yards, he needs to get back, get back! Who's going to be the man? Stephen Go on, Carson! Carson! Tom Carson! No, Tom! Oh. It's going straight to Kerry Higgins now for Mayo. Comes back with Durkin! Good score, Paddy! Bring you by ya! Fair play to ya! Paddy Durkin! The Mayo support are off their feet! We're level once more here at Crow Park! It's Kerry 214! There's a minute, just over a minute left. Load up, Brett, load up. We need to win this kickout. Come on, Come on, Mayo, come on. It's Kerry 2.14. Mayo 2.14. Kelly with kickout. Who's going to win it? Who's going to be the man? Steve Horn, Carson. Tom Carson. No, Tom. It's going straight to Kerry, man. Number six, now tying Molly. That's with number eight, David Ford. Ford to Sheehan has just done it. And Mayo man can tight. No, it's a free for Kerry. A free for Kerry, about 50 metres out. Oh, oh, this is heartbreaking. It's a free from Kerry, right in the middle of the pitch. He's after taking, he should be going back further. He has stolen a yard or two. Watch him. Yeah. He's stealing yards. He's stealing yards. He needs to get back. Get back. We played five minutes, which has been a lot of injury time. Kerry 214, Mayo 214. Kerry to win it with Brian Sheehan. Sheehan, he oh, goes, yes, go wide, go wide, go wide, go wide. Go wide, go yeah. wide. No, Mayo man gets him. It's still in play. That's it, full time. It's all over. Full time. It's all over. We're oh, going to have to do it all over God. again. What a game. What an absolute thriller. And credit to both sets of players. Credit to them for the effort they gave, for the passion they put into it, for the football they played, for the actual sportsmanship that was there, for the actual scores that they got. That game had everything that you want to see except a Mayo win. I think we're starting to get a small sense of how emotional Mayo people are feeling today. I think we best leave them alone for a day or two mm. and maybe check in later in the week. Yeah. See how things are going. Yeah, I think it's like uh it's a private grief for the next couple of days maybe and then we'll we'll reopen it in uh in due course later in the week. Sorry to pile on the heartbreak, but I do want to read this email out here. It's a good one actually, Simon. I think it might deserve a scumbag of the week audio bed, please. <laughs> I've got a call here that says you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick bag. Oh God. That's just it. I just wow. mentioned that you, not me. Okay, ain't nobody fucking with my click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresher than my mom. We don't normally click, broadcast all click, the, the stuff that click, comes from scum click, around the country. Click. Today's piece of scum has a difficult to pronounce name. It's Ronan Jingles, if you please. Okay. He actually signs that. He it's G I N G L E S. Okay. Pronounce jingles if you please. I do. I do please. So thanks very much, Ronan, for the email from Brussels slash Mead. This was sent in before the match, entitled "The Real Reason for Mayo's Tragic Odyssey." It's a long one. Buckle up. 
Settle okay. down. We all know the story of the priest cursing the disrespectful behaviour of the last victorious Mayo senior football team of 1951. It's a good yarn, says Ronan. But I have a different story, a different theory, I should say, uh, no less spooky and supernatural. I think the 65 years and counting of hurt has all come down to the f- all comes down to the fatalistic symbolism in the design of the county crest. Might want to get in front of you there, Murph. Mayo. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The lower part of the badge features a ship sailing across a curiously red body of water or blood as if on a meandering quest or odyssey through the underworld of Greek mythology. Much has been sacrificed and many horrors experienced, but when will the crew of the damned reach safe haven and deliverance? In contrast, the top part is more optimistically adorned with a church on a hill, presumably yeah. the Holy Mountain, Holy Mountain of Crocpatrick, mm-hmm. surely representing the aspirational attainment of paradise. There is also the Gaelic phrase, Christ Lynn, a plaintive call for Christ to be with us, or even a colloquial, God help us, much uttered by the long-suffering supporters of the Green and Red through their last eight finals and two replays. Again, this email was sent before most recent yeah. feed. Nearby sits a graveyard with a line of three crosses, poignantly won for each Mayo title in history. All Ireland winners received the Celtic Cross medal. In a more prominent position, and yet to be put in its proper place, as if wandering the earth forlornly like the ship, or representing a great burden to be collectively shouldered on the endless march up Calvary's slopes, there is a fourth cross. It is more ornate, clearly a long time in the making, and much obsessed about. The county name itself, continues Ronan, delivers, derives, I should say, from the Gaelic Mwayo, the plane of the U, a tree synonymous with, with graveyards. The thing is, no less than nine trees are represented around the edge of the badge. Okay. Unfortunately, fate would seem to have it that Mayo must suffer a ninth period of grief, mourning and much gnashing of teeth to fully complete the set that their forest of failure represents. <laughs> are you still with me, everybody? <laughs> Haven't switched off yet? No, the forest of failure, I'd say, probably woke a few people up. Yeah, woke up. a few people up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, they could have changed the badge at any stage to ward off this perfidious juju. Say in 1996, after Colm Coyle's bouncing Hail Mary of an equaliser to tie things up at the death by chopping down a few trees, but it's now a bit late for that. But on the plus side, there isn't a tenth U of yearning anywhere in evidence, and they should win their next final after this one, allowing that fourth cross to be planted in Mayo so- soil, hopefully in 2018. Congratulations, everybody, on getting through that entire email. And, thanks and congratulations to Mayo on your 2018 All Ireland final success. Editor at secondcaptains.com is the email address. Address. They don't all have to be that well thought out, shall we say, but, you know, it all helps. The, I started with the Ladmer, who was hard to impress, the Dublin fan, at the start of the show. Yeah. I would say part of his issue might have been that there was so much hype that short of 20 goals being scored, maybe the match was never going to live up to it. And the hype continued right into the pre-match programme. And not only surrounding the football, I had a bit of time to spare before the game. So I was, after being blown away by David Clifford's goals, okay. had a quick read. Imelda May was the halftime act. Yeah. And this was the blurb on top of a picture of Imelda May. Prepare to be blown away. Imelda has found a new groove exploring blues, soul, gospel, folk, rock, sensitive acoustics, cinematic drama, and explosive balladry on a set of the boldest, most personal, and intimately autobiographical songs she has ever written. I actually missed it. I missed the halftime show. I must you say. weren't alone. I, I, I too missed it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, That's how to hype up a gig. Yeah, I, I, something tells me that the Mayo football supporters aren't going to, you know, after Imelda's finished her halftime set, maybe six minutes worth of uh, singing, they're not going to turn to each other and go, win, draw, or lose. That we was some just, explosive balladry we just heard. <laughs> like, <laughs> football is football, but that is some explosive balladry right there. Ah, uh, thanks, Kieran. Thank you, Owen. And congratulations to you and your Dublin brothers ah, and sisters. Sure, you know, couldn't have done it without... Jim Cluxon and the rest of the team, <laughs> both management team and players. Thanks very much for listening. We will talk to you again tomorrow if you're a part of the World Service. Oh,
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 